Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Let's talk about Star Wars. What a good idea. Um, Bad Batch. We just saw episode 15. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, it was great. Really, really, really good. Um, this will be a pretty exciting end to the season, I think, once we have uh, next week's episode in the bag. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I like Because, you know, it's so closely tied into prequel era stuff, which I'm not super into... Um, I'm always a little bit on the fence, I guess, um, about how I feel about, uh, you know, this, the show. Um, obviously, like, Camino, I always felt was, like, the antithesis of Star Wars in some ways, because, like, it, everything was there, it always looked so clinical and clean and perfect. Um... But, I mean, I actually like the characters, like the, the Kaminoans, I do like the, them as characters, even if I don't love how they look or whatever. Um, but uh, I think we all knew that, that uh, things were kind of headed in this direction, so it was really exciting to see how it worked out. Really cool to um, get some great, you know, dialogue between Hunter and uh, Crosshair. Um, it was interesting. Like, I really thought they were... Uh, yeah, I think, you know, it, it would have been a bit too easy to go down the route of, like, Crosshair just gives us a chance to pull that thing out of your head and then you'll feel better and then we can run off and have fun together. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. That, that point... The point that he actually had already removed the inhibitor chip and that, like, he said, this is me. Like, I, I, I'm deciding to stick with the Empire. That's cool. Um, I really like those uh, other um, kind of elite troopers. I don't know what the correct name for those are. I like their voices. I think they each, each person had, like, a um, character. That was great. Um, visually amazing episode. I really like those... Um, those ships that, uh, um, yeah, like it's are being used for imperial transports for now. Um, they look really cool. I mean, just the 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 rain and the the lightning and thunder and everything is always super cool. Um, I I want like I uh, I'll be really interested to see what happens with Crosshair because. I have to say, I miss him as I miss him being part of the team. Like, I think it's a cooler balance between the characters if he's part of the team. Like, I like he, that that kind of acidic, kind of bitter taste that he brings, um, and he's cool. I think he looks cool. I like the idea of having a sharpshooter being part of the team. Um, I mean, I have to assume that the Empire just, like, so easily kind of turning their back on him and just, um, you know, shelling the facility from orbit or whatever. Not from orbit, but, uh, 
you know, the those Venator class Star Destroyers um, unloading on the on the uh, facility there. I'm assuming that that could be enough to make him go like, "Wow, they were they were just gonna let me die here." Uh, that might be enough to swing him back around. But um, I would like him to stay part of the team, actually. And those, those, I mean, I loved that little bit of Tarkin, that classic line, you may fire when ready. That was great. Um, I loved watching them, yeah, unleash. I think, like, I would like to hear, or I would like to see um, a bit more of the Empire kind of being effective and achieving their ends. I think that's going to be a good good thing. Like, I'm, I haven't seen Rebels for a while, but it did feel a little bit like um, the Empire were a bit uh, goofy and could never really do anything right. And I don't think that really helps to portray them in that way. Um, so I thought this was cool. They were like, Ice cold, got, got, got the job done. Um, yeah. So this was cool. Can't wait for next week's episode. And, you know, I could I can really see myself going back and re-watching the season uh, with a few less, less uh, essential episodes taken out, maybe. Like, not last. Last week's episode was super good. Uh, but the one before that was notoriously fillerish, and um, yeah, I think if I picked out my favorite episodes of the uh, of the season and rewatched them, that they would uh, provide some pretty good Star Wars feeling. And uh, yeah, so they they have already announced and confirmed that season two of the Bad Batch is coming next year. That's good. Um, I think it's a it's a good vehicle to show the uh, the changeover from Republic to Empire and to show what's going on. Um, it's nice to see TK, tr you know, troopers. Even though it's a uh, kind of an early version, they look cool. The armor looks cool. Uh, obviously, it's, it's uh, taken from Ralph McQuarrie's early designs for stormtroopers. Um, yeah, I like where all this is going. Um, so I mean. <laughs> So a lot of people have been talking about uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation or Revelations. I don't know if it's single, singular or plural. Um, and a lot of the podcasts I like, I knew they would, were going to really dig into that and talk about it. So I've never liked Masters of the Universe. I always thought it was like really just like dumb, muscly dudes. I was not interested as a kid. I mean, there's still a bit of um, nostalgia attached to it because I played with those toys at other kids' houses, but I never had any Masters of the Universe toys myself. Um, but I just thought, I'm just going to watch it because everyone's going to be talking about it and I just want to be able to join in, basically. Um, but I loved it. Uh, they, it. They're releasing it in two halves, five episodes and then a, another five episodes. Um, I had a great time with it. Now, the reason I bring it up is because... It, it really felt like each episode uh, was moving the story forward in significant ways. And there was, I, I, didn't, I never got the feeling that they were kind of trying to fill out the season or whatever. 
Um, and I say that because, you know, I think in the last episode I said like, well, this at the end of the day, like there's like the Bad Batch is achieving some pretty sophisticated things, but at the end of the day, it is a Star Wars cartoon. So there's going to be episodes that don't necessarily contribute in big ways to the overall saga and whatever. Um, and we should just accept that and enjoy ourselves. But if Masters of the Universe <laughs> can uh, do a series where there's no kind of, you know, episodes that feel like they don't need to be there, can't we uh, kind of expect the same of our Star Wars animation? Hmm, I don't know. Like, Resistance really was not a success, so I think that they're going to be a bit reticent to really kind of do another show that is more aimed at the younger audience. I don't know. They might still do it. Um, uh, but if they're not going to do that, I feel like they're going to still be making their animation kind of try to, they're going to try to make their anima animated shows kind of um, something that can appeal to young youngsters and the older fans at the same time, which in some way, I don't know. I think it hamstrings them a little bit. Um, I would, I would prefer if it, if it just was like hard hitting, like pushing the plot forward pretty hard each episode. Um, and after watching that Masters of the Universe thing, I don't see why they can't do that really. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's been Filoni, 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 Filoni for 13 years or something when it comes to Star Wars animation, more or less. Um, it would be really fun to see, like, what, what would happen if um, someone else was given the chance to really uh, have a go in the animated uh, world. Yeah. All right. Um, we got some really sad news. Uh, so... Almost every episode, um, I mention the making of books. Each of the original trilogy trilogy films has has one. Um, I think episode three had one, although not as uh, long and in depth. Anyway, the author of those books, J.W. Rinsler, sadly lost his battle uh, with cancer just uh, maybe a couple of days ago. Um, really sad to hear because his contribution to the Star Wars fandom is massive. I mean, those books are the Bible when it comes to um, behind the scenes for the original trilogy stuff. Uh, I'm still halfway through the Return of the Jedi one as we speak. Um, so in a way, I just kind of want to say, uh, put my thanks out into the ether. Hopefully, Mr. Rinsler can hear us all. <laughs> somehow um because those books wow they are everything that you could possibly hope for when it comes to um behind the scenes stuff for star wars um i had just one interesting thing that i pulled from the return of the jedi making of book um that i wanted to read uh, I love, I kind of love drawing attention to these things because um because of our kind of panicky 
response to any kind of um, less than over-the-top enthusiasm behind the scenes. It's kind of fun to highlight from time to time what kind of... Um, you know, issues there were behind the scenes of the original trilogy because uh, those films are, you know, pretty close to perfect. And um, just because someone's less than pumped about what was going on or what happened or whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong with the film. Making films is a complicated business, I believe. Uh, not that I've ever made one, but um, there's always going to be issues here or there. Uh, one interesting interesting thing I read recently, like, you know, there's there's been this whole thing, you know, the, the kind of issues between David Prowse and Lucasfilm and with George Lucas himself. Um, it's usually put down to the fact that he, well, they believed that he spoiled the reveal that Vader was Luke's father. Um, I didn't know that he was also accused of spoiling the existence of Ewoks in an interview. So there's that as well. So I I don't know. I think it's a little bit of where there's smoke, there's fire with, with when it comes to David Prowse and spoilers. Um, but that was interesting to read about. Now, uh, the part I really wanted to read was a quote from George Lucas. Um, I think, you know, most people are aware that... Um, obviously, he didn't direct The Empire Strikes Back. He was the, you know, story, the creator and producer on that film. And um, he pretty much left the directing up to uh, Evan Kirshner. Um, and for whatever reason on Return of the Jedi, he was a bit more closely involved. Um, he was really, like, really there on the set day to day. Um, not a bad thing, I think. Anyway, this is a quite interesting quote from um, George Lucas during the production of Return of the Jedi. Let's have a listen. He says, I'm not having fun, Lucas told one journalist visiting the location as production revved up for its 72nd day. I smile a lot because if I don't, everyone gets depressed. But I'd rather be home in bed watching television. <laughs> no matter how much I think everybody knows about Star Wars now, they don't. I've given Richard the answers to a million questions. Richard Marquand, the director. I've given Richard the answers to a million questions over the last year. Filled everybody in on everything I can think of. And yet, when we get here, the crew comes up with a thousand questions a day. I'm not exaggerating, that only I can answer. Can these creatures do this or can't they? What was the culture behind this artifact? I'm the only one who knows where we're going and where we've been. I'm only doing this because I started it and now I have to finish it, he adds. The next trilogy will be all someone else's vision. Wow! I thought that was interesting. Um... <laughs> Just to hear him so unpumped about it is quite hilarious. And just to like hear that his intention at that time was to hand over the uh, next trilogy to new people. Would have been interesting to see how that 
would have gone. Yeah. But it is kind of interesting also because that's why you get that kind of um, really unified vision between the three films, you know, because he was so involved whether he was directing or not. And uh, it was to those three films' benefit, absolutely. All right. I think it's time to jump into What's That Sound? Now, uh, a little bit of a bitter What's That Sound? Because who wrote that book? Mr. J.W. Rinsler did. So, again, thanks, buddy. You've really contributed greatly to uh, to the fandom. All right, let's do it. Here comes our first sound. Let's give it. Let's, let's have a listen. Ooh. I mean, it's some kind of vehicle. Is it Luke's? Hmm, is that Luke's speeder, maybe? Let's take a look. I think I'm wrong, though. Hang on, where are we? Hmm, it says coming out of hyperspace. Listen one more time. Okay, yeah, that's the Millennium Falcon coming out of hyperspace. Who knew? All right, let's try another one. Is that an X-Wing or a Y-Wing, maybe? Let's take a look. Don't you love these page-turning sound effects? These page-turning sound effects are sound effects I came up with myself. Quite impressive, wouldn't you say? Oh, I think this was... Okay, so that was uh, inside a TIE fighter cockpit. Yeah, okay. Now when I hear that, it makes sense. All right, let's try something else. Do. <laughs> or do not. There is no try. Well, I think we all know who that is. All right, let's try another one. You know. You know. Oh. Well, that's Boosh or Bausch. I say Boosh. What do you say? Write in and let me know. And Chewie, obviously. Let's, have a, let's just do like two more. I mean, that... <laughs> wow. Some extra comedy sound effects there. Great. Uh, that's got to be the, the Falcon hyperdrive not working. I'm assuming... My guess would be that it'd be like uh, at the end of Empire. Yes. Okay. Nice. Okay. Last one. Let's have a listen. Here we go. That's got to be speeder bikes, right? Where are we? 153? Yup. 
Okay. Specifically, it says speeder bike starting up. Wow. Excellent. All right. So, last episode, we finished uh, our scene-by-scene -scene commentary on Solo. Sadly. But um, what that means is we get to start a new one. Now, I've already done in, like full episode commentaries of the prequels. The original trilogy, I feel a bit like... <sighs> I might do them at some point. But I kind of feel like... What's the point? You know? Like... We know them, we love them. They've been discussed to death at this point. So I'm going to stick with the new films for now. And just following my feeling, following my, my instincts here, I want to go for The Last Jedi. It's time. Uh, definitely the most controversial Star Wars film ever released. Um, a film that is full of some of my favorite moments in the saga, but also some things that I'm not a huge fan of. So let's jump in. Let's give that. Uh, let's uh, get started. And I'm kind of excited because the beginning is uh, one of my favorite beginnings of any Star Wars movie. Let's check it out. I've got to say, I'm still kind of totally like incredulous that I can just press like on on the TV remote and then press two buttons and then be watching Star Wars. That's still bonkers to me, man. Like. In 4K! Unbelievable. Alright, here we go. The Last Jedi. I'm going to hit play. The Lucasfilm logo. Always calls for celebration. Man. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Damn straight. Ah! The greatest... I mean, Star Wars has the greatest film music ever created. It has the greatest almost everything ever created, to be honest. Like, it's just... It's incredible that the, the kind of the number of levels it had to kick ass at to be as wonderful as it is. Uh, yeah, alright, so... This is what the crawl says. The First Order reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Yeah, fair enough. But it's funny because like the film starts like two minutes after the last film started, so I don't know how much has changed, really. Um, I've heard that it's quite a challenge to get the crawl to sound... You know, to get the right tone for the crawl. Um, there's a particular cadence to it a particular there's particular types of um, words that they can and can't use I think it has a lot of that you know classic Flash Gordon vibe that inspired Star Wars in the beginning love that I remember when this film started and I was like, isn't that, isn't that like directly from A New Hope? No. Anyway, John Williams, do your thing. This is cool. I love this idea where you're just like swooping in, 
sweeping through all these evacuating ships. This is funny. So this is um, Carrie Fisher's daughter playing Lieutenant Connix or whatever her name is. Um, it's weird. Like it always, I always go like, oh, look, it's Carrie's daughter. <laughs> ah. Adrian M Edmondson. All right. This, I mean, this is kicking goals already. Like, I, rem like, I had not heard that he was in it when I first saw this film. Like, and I was like, oh my God, it's Adrian Edmondson. What a great choice. Mm. There's Hux. Look at this dreadnought. That looks, oh, I remember in 3D, that looked sick, man. Just like, it was like one of those shots that feels designed specific, specifically for 3D. This, I mean, this is gold, man. Look at this. Happy beeps. Now, funnily enough, they later informed everyone that that was uh, BB-8 saying, I got a bad feeling about this in BB-8 language. Love it. I mean... Poe Dameron rules. I love him. He's so good. Look at the... I mean... Oh. Okay, I, I kind of got out of the habit of pausing during these because I just thought it's going to take too long, but... But I'm doing it. Fuck it. It's my podcast. I can do what I like. Paused. I feel like i got a lot to say here. All right. We've got General Hux. Um... Some people got mad that he got turned into a bit more of like a kind of a comedy character in this film. I think that was a great idea. I just don't think he landed super well in, in, in The Force Awakens. Um, I just don't think he was too young or something. It just didn't, it didn't scare me as a villain. Um, so I'm glad they went that way, went in this direction in this film. Um I just think Donald Gleason is having more fun with it as well, and it's great. Um, production design. Take a bow, you know, for the art the artists that worked on all these new films. Again, like kicking ass. Look, I mean, look at these costumes, those helmet designs, perfect. I mean, of course you can say like, well, of course you like it. It's only like a few degrees off classic OT styles designs. So, you know, of course you're going to like it. Yes. But I just think, like, to me, it's a like a very believable, believable level of um, evolution from those designs. If you think about this being 30 years late after those original films, um, I think the massive jump in or change in, in like, designs and visual style between the prequels and the original trilogy was like I think that was a big mistake it didn't feel like the same galaxy anymore same universe this um, this really does I love the first order uniforms I love the control panels on the um, on the bridge of this uh, vessel fantastic this is good I'm glad I decided to do the pause because this opening section Hit after hit. 
Here we go. <laughs> okay. Okay, he's, he's basically doing like this prank call thing. And I just remember sitting in the cinema, just being like, what the hell? Are they really doing this? Like, I love humor in Star Wars. It's such, it's important to me. And I couldn't believe that they were just like launching into it this hard, this early. But I just really, like, I've, I just really respected the guts of, of that. Now, one thing I don't love there, it's, it basically makes like uh, some joke about your mother or something. That does not feel Star Wars at all. And it's not very funny. Like, I just think, like, if it's really funny, you can sell it as, you know, part of Star Wars in a way. Um, but it wasn't a particularly funny moment line and it didn't feel Star Wars. So, to me, that's the only thing I really don't love in this opening section. As far as I remember. Let's see if anything else comes up. BB-8 punch it. Here we go. Look at that. It's like the like a dragster. I love how he just like gets knocked back um, from the acceleration and um, and the little like visor drops down. You see BB-8 as well, just get knocked back. This shot here, where... he's insane. Just. I just think the excitement of this run on the Dreadnought is mm, 10 out of 10 Star Wars. Look at this. I mean, all those, like, when you see on the control stick and stuff inside the cockpit, you can see the wear on it. Everything looks used and lived in. That is Star Wars to me. These guns look cool. Like, the explosions are fantastic. The, the, the sense of movement and speed. Bam! And look at this, as you just see him like taking out gu gun turret after gun turret and you just see Hux realizing what a mistake he's made. Captain Kennedy, this guy is a, listen to this. We need to scramble our fighters five bloody minutes ago. Oh, I love Captain Kennedy. Like he's old enough to where he could have been like a young man serving the empire. Um, which is a cool, a cool thing. He's just, he looks cool. He's got a great voice. I saw that actor in another film. Can't remember what it was called, but he was great in that as well. Great piece of casting. Casting. I love this like emergency red light. It's very like um, submarine red alert vibe. Super good. And they've even got like the submarine style viewing doodads that come down from the ceiling. Love that. I mean, look at this. Here comes the fray. This is... <laughs> this is where a, a, a little bit I feel like Ryan Johnson's highly educated self maybe gets in the way of Here comes the fray. Frey is not like a 
pretty uncommon word, and it's just like a little bit. Um, I'm not sure that a, like an X-wing flying grease monkey would be like, "Here comes the fray," you know. It just sounds a little bit private education-ish. Um, but it, I still kind of like it actually. And then when you just see that that just wave of Tie Fighters coming over the the lip of the Star Destroyer or the Dreadnought, awesome. Look at that. I just... I could watch footage of uh, First Order TIE pilots in the cockpits all day. He I mean, BB-8, total hit from The Force Awakens. And this opening scene, he's fantastic as well. <laughs> it's, so, it's so silly, but it really works. Listen to this. That's a, I swear to God, I'm gonna sample that for a for a, for a hip hop track. That fire on the bass, fire on the bass, boom, <clears throat> totally gonna do that. <laughs> oh, Carrie, really good outfit on uh, on her on these in these uh, scenes. She always sounds like her nose is kind of blocked. But this is this is sick. The the cho the choreography of the X-wing and the Tie Fighters here. <laughs> and that's a great line. And C-3PO, 3PO, wipe that worried, nervous expression off your face. That's good Star Wars. Look at this. Check this shit out. I mean, it makes no sense scientifically at all. Bam! Look at this. Does the handbrake turn. Tie fires don't know what hit him. Look at this. Over the edge of the, the, the dreadnought, you see the planet below. Amazing. Ah, oh, I love these bomber designs. I feel a bit like it's a bit sad that they get just totally hammered so fast. There we go, Tally, Tally Lintra. Absolutely one of my favorite, like, uh, kind of. I wouldn't call her background character. I mean, she's pretty important. But she's just cool, man. She's oh, that's the that was the first assistant director, that guy who's playing that uh, that that pilot. But Tally, man, oh, we'll get to her death later. But every time I watch it, I just I'm trying to find out, work out if there's a way she could have survived because I just think she's super cool. X-wing is like a perfect ship for her. Look at her, she's so cool! Oh, I've actually got like a section in my kitchen which is just like um, fighter pilot photos of printed out photos of fighter pilots. 
And um, I actually got two pictures of Tally up there. I just love the like the World War II bomber vibe inside these bombers. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I just think it was a really good stylistic decision. Just like the amount of debris and stuff flying around here is super cool. All right, Paige Tico in the house. I love her. I mean, this is just nail-biting stuff. This is so cool. She's fantastic. It's like... This whole opening sequence. Man, I love it. It might be my favorite opening to any Star Wars movie, except maybe A New Hope. I just love this. You see her fall. And you get that silence, which is like such a good choice where you've had this like this much noise and action and stuff. And you get that silence, that close up on her eye. It really like brings you into the character, you know? And this, um, the kind of desperation here and her determination, it's just... Mm. Again, look at those First Order, First Order helmet designs. Amazing. Listen to that music. And you just see the flames leaping. Oh, no. The trigger for the bombs is falling, and hey, she's got it. And there they go. Look at that. Wham. Can you see her touching the Haitian smelt? That moment, I mean, wow. I just think it's like, I mean, you meet Paige Tico about like a minute and a half or something before that moment. And with within that minute and a half, at least for me, I've already developed a kind of relationship with the character. And I just think it's one of the most kind of heroic moments in Star Wars. I love it. see Leia looking at the losses they've suffered and yeah. this is awesome I love this shot of like Poe just fantastic that's a good place to pause Huck's looking pretty terrified <laughs> someone's not going to be pleased alright this is cool like yeah, this movie has some parts I'm not super into, but man, the parts that I'm into. Get ready for raw Star Wars enthusiasm, people. All right, and get ready for, uh, yeah, next next week we'll be talking about the final episode in Season 1 of The Bad Batch, which will be very exciting. Thank you for listening. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Hey!